Okay, so we are in our fifth week of the First John series, and then our last real week of this is next week, and we actually have students coming in from Manhattan Christian College who are going to kind of do the talk and lead through some of that. We are going to go back. Remember last week Tim said that he flipped the last two weeks, yes? Okay. How many of you had a conversation with somebody after last week? How many of you had a needed to ask somebody for forgiveness or talk through something or do some reconciliation? Did anybody have some conversations? Did it make you think differently about unity and how you're loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? Awesome. So we're going to go right back to that topic tonight. And so we only have three verses we're going to look at in this section. So before we start, I'm going to ask that we focus. I'm going to ask for extra conversations to stop. And now that it's just middle schoolers, I taught it for 16 years, I have no problem going and helping you focus. So... Um, We're going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you guys to just focus, and let's hear what God has to say. God, I thank you so much for each and every one of the students and leaders in this room. God, I pray that you would get up in our business. I pray that you would um, speak through your word, speak through me, that you would give us a better picture of your love, and then what does that look like when we love like you? God, I pray that we would not leave this room the same. I pray that our hearts would get messed with, that things would weigh heavy on us, and that we would have open eyes. We love you, Lord. We're thankful for you. We're thank you for, thankful for your truth, and I'm excited to see what you have to show us. Amen. So we have three simple verses we're going to look at. So if you have a Bible or on your phone or it's actually at the top of your notes, go to 1 John 3. And I think of John 3.16, where it talks about how God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. This is kind of the second part to that. Because he loved us so much, what are we going to do? So 1 John 3.16, it says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need or sister in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, middle schoolers, adult volunteer leaders, Amy Weatherford, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Guys, this weekend... We will celebrate Easter on Friday. We have Good Friday where we remember what Christ did and his ultimate price he paid to reconcile, to redeem, to save us so that we don't have to deal with the consequences of our sin. We know that Christ died on the cross And so it's kind of a perfect time to be looking at this message. We know the great sacrifice he paid 
for us? So this first verse just says, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And that can be setting aside our own pride. That can be setting aside our own agendas. It could be giving up our lives. It could be giving up our possessions, whatever that looks like. Christ paid the ultimate price, and out of obedience and out of a response of gratitude for what he did for us, that first verse is just saying our hearts should just be like his. And I know that's my prayer for my life, and I know it's my prayer for all of your lives, is that each day we would look more and more like Christ and less and less like ourselves. So in that, we would love like them. Told you, I like proximity. Um, Verse 17 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brothers in need, there's a seat right there if you need to move over, okay? Yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And we talked about abiding, resting in, making your home in Christ's love and Christ's word, knowing God and allowing that knowledge and knowing that relationship with him to just make us more like him, but to deepening that intimacy and knowledge of him. And then lastly, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And so you have three blanks that we're going to fill out, and then we'll get to the fourth one last. But really simply, what we're going to look at, no pun intended, is what Christ's love really is. And one of the first things, Christ's love requires us to have open eyes. If we're going to love like Christ, we've got to be able to see the needs out there. We had some really hungry, thirsty, naked feet leaders up here. And we had some students who met their needs, right? You were thirsty, weren't you? And you really needed some applesauce. And so we'll get to a passage later that kind of talks about seeing the needs But every day, when you are in a classroom, if you're in the locker room, if you're on a bus in the hallway, if you're in your home, if you're around your younger siblings or older siblings, you're with your parents, you're in the car, there are needs. And there are practical ways. Do you need a note? There's an open seat right by Aubrey. She's really nice. So, there are practical ways that we could be helping somebody else. Are you with me? I taught middle school for 16 years. I don't know that I have ever walked through a cafeteria and did not see a student sitting by themselves. Are you with me? I have been in classrooms. I have been in hallways. I have been at Surge, and even before it was Surge, I've been here a lot. There are times where I see students, well, most Wednesdays, standing by themselves with nobody talking to them. Yes? Are those needs. So we need to open our eyes and see things. And sometimes we only picture the really big things, but sometimes it's just the really small things. Raise your hand if you've ever had stressed out parents. Yes? Is that a fun thing to experience? How many of you could do practical, easy things at home, like without being told to take the trash out if you see it overflowing, 
or if there's dishes in the sink, you could wash them or load them into the dishwasher or empty the dishwasher. There's a younger sibling that needs help with a homework assignment, and you know your parents are stressed, and you just take the initiative to do that yourself. Are there things that you can do? Are there needs that you can see? Yes. But here's the problem. We are so consumed in our own agendas and our own plans, and we're so consumed with ourselves that a lot of times God gives us tons of opportunities throughout the day where we could love like him, but we're too busy focused here. There are tons of times that Amy Weatherford has opportunities where I could love like Christ, and I am too caught up in doing ministry or preparing for something or doing something good and missing out on something even better. Are you with me on that? How many of you think probably today there was an opportunity for you to be Christ's love and you just were blinded, you didn't see it? Probably all of us passed up something. So Christ's love requires open eyes. But here's the problem. If you just see a problem and you're like, oh, this is really good. I saw a problem. I'm passionate about it. Zoe and I were going to have a conversation about how this really, really bothers us. There's this kid, and he's sitting by himself, and we're both really upset by that. And we talk about it. We even start a club about kids who sit by each other at lunch. But we never actually invite that kid to come sit with us. Do you see the problem? Like, if you're going to have open eyes, do something about it. And so the next thing is, Christ's love requires action. You can't just see a problem You've got to do something about it. So if you see somebody in need and you have the world's goods or you have what it takes, maybe it just means you have a voice and you can go speak with that person. Maybe you see some people acting pretty jerky to someone. You have the ability to step in and be like, hey, guys, that's not cool, and then go be... Show Christ's love to somebody. Yes? You know that your mama is at snapping point, and you know how that's not fun. Yes? I was from a family of 10. My mom snapped a lot. Um, I could have done things to make life easier for her. I could have stepped into action to help alleviate her stress. Are you with me on this? And then the last thing is, Christ's love requires sacrifice. Now, here's the thing. We can have open eyes. We can step out and do something, but for it to truly be Christ's love, it's got to cost you something. Now, did Christ's love cost him something? What did it cost him? His life. Not only that, he was almighty God up here, the Trinity, chilling on his throne in heaven, and he had to come down and be a human. And he had to set aside all his power and glory and everything to walk fully as a man so that he could be a true representation of man in order to pay the penalty for our sin. And so he stepped down from all of that, which was a cost, 
to live a very humble life. He went through such ridicule. We know what he went through in his final hours. That's a cost. So it needs to cost you something. Now, if it's really, a, you're a good person, you can do stuff, you can show kindness, but there's a difference between when it costs you something and it doesn't. I am for my high school years and then for many years after that as a youth leader would go to Monterey, Mexico every summer. And we would put on vacation Bible schools and we would have like 10 different vacation Bible school sites in these kind of really run down poor poverty type neighborhoods in Monterey. And Monterey is the third largest city in Mexico. And most of the kids' homes were made out of, like, cinder blocks, tarps, like, metal sheets, like, different things like that, cardboard. And um, these kids literally had nothing. They would wear pretty much the same outfit all week long. They were not well bathed, but, man, did they love. And they would bring us little knickknacks and little treasures of theirs and give us gifts all the time. And we were the ones coming who had more than we needed. We had the world's wealth compared to what they had, but they were just so generous. And um, one year, as we were preparing to go to Mexico, we would always have like kind of pre-trip devotionals that the students would work through and the leaders would work through to kind of prepare your heart for the missions trip. And one year, as I was writing, I thought it would be really cool to do a CD and each week there would, I mean, each day there would be like a song. And one of the songs was this song called When You Love the Least by a guy named Sean Groves. And I listened to that song so much in prep before this trip. And basically it goes with Matthew 25, which we'll go to. But basically it's like when you love the least, really who you're loving is Jesus. And man, I loved that song. And I was so excited for these kids to get to put into action, not just talking about loving and not just being like, oh yeah, I'm nice, I'm going to love, but really get to be sacrificial loving. Because the people in Mexico, they loved us back sacrificially. And so I'm like, I'm taking these kids from Johnson County and they're going to love sacrificially and the song's going to empower them and it's going to be great. And the first day of vacation Bible school, we have all our little stations and they're rotating and I'm in charge of making sure things are going. And I look off in the corner and there's this mother and she just kind of looks sad. And she has a little boy in this kind of old used wheelchair that probably wasn't the best for this boy's physical disabilities. And whatever in ailments he had, he um, probably didn't have a lot of mobility but I'm also going to just tell you right now, I was a teacher. I could never be a nurse. I, I don't like messing with things that make my hands dirty. I don't like dirt. I don't like, oh, I definitely don't ever want to touch mud because then it dries and becomes like gross. Yeah. I just like my hands to be clean as a teacher. I high five students and then hand sanitize it up like constantly. And my students just realized it, it was nothing against them. I just like cleanliness. <laughs> And so this mom is sitting watching all this activity and she has this little boy who probably had like cerebral palsy or something and he had like dried drool 
all over his face and maybe food from whatever and he was dirty, but I was going to love him. So I was trying to be the best leader and be this example for my students and so I gathered a craft and what's funny is the moms would love to come and do the crafts too with the kids. So I took a Two crafts, one finished for him and then one for mom to do. And I took an empty name tag so we could write it in and get him a name tag. And I had stickers and there was candy and different stuff. And I went over and was talking to this mom and she was really excited that I noticed her. And I said, come and join us. Like, we'll do whatever part you guys can do. And one of our good friends who worked with the church in Monterey that we were with, Ceci, comes running up. And before I could even say anything, Sassy grabs this little boy and just kisses that face that had the dried stuff. And she just was playing with his hair and talking to him. And it was the most convicting punch to the gut. Because, I mean, I showed kindness to him. I was showing compassion and I was being kind. She loved that boy. Like it was her own child, a nephew, somebody she knew dearly. So I'm trying to keep myself together because I've been really, God got up in my business and I was really convicted. And I had this name tag and I said, in Spanish, what's your name? And he's trying to get words out and the mother says, Jesus. Which in Mexico, it is quite common in probably a lot of Spanish-speaking countries for people to have the name Jesus, and then there's a little accento over the U. But just like Jesus needed to really make his point clear, his name was Jesus. And I had been listening to this song over and over and was just so excited for how God was going to work in the kids' hearts, our students' hearts, about when you really love the least of these, you are loving Jesus, you're loving me. And instead, God needed me to learn that lesson. And I quickly wrote the name on the name tag, put it on the child, and then I had to go do a walk because tears were coming by this point. And me and God had some conversation. But I'm telling you, that moment has messed with me so many times. When I don't want to step out of my comfort zone, there's a need and I see it, I can take an action But if it doesn't really cost me anything, is it really Christ's love? Now, two falls ago, we're doing Rooted. And we were talking about generosity and different things and talking about when God takes you out of your comfort zone. And I'm sharing that story. And I'm sharing how I don't do good with bodily fluids or any of that stuff and how that really takes me out of my comfort zone. And I made the stupid comment, but God knows, he knows I don't want to do, that is not me, but he also knows that now if he puts me in that situation, I have to do something about it. And I shouldn't have said that, because that night, one of the gals in our rooted group left our rooted group early, we were down in the fellowship hall, and had left because she wasn't feeling well. So we got done with rooted, and I was like, she never came back and got her stuff, Now, this is one of my former youth group girls, a girl I love dearly, and I was going to go check on her, so I went into the bathroom and was like, are you in here? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, you okay? No. Do you want me to help you? Not you. Why? You don't deal with this stuff. And I was like, 
what? And she's like, I throw up. I'm like, dang it, God. Because I had just said, he knows, I'll deal with it. And I opened that stall. (laughs) And there was puke everywhere. And it was so not my comfort zone. And I just want to be like, you're right, let me go find somebody else. But God had taught me a lesson in Monterey, Mexico, many years before, that when he gives us an opportunity, you open those eyes, you act on it, and then you step out of that comfort zone and you love sacrificially. And so I got to spend the next 30 minutes cleaning up the puke of somebody I love dearly, and now we have even more bonded because of this, but God will give you opportunities. Just don't tell him that you want them because he'll give them to you real soon. So really quickly, on your sheet, we're going to go to Matthew 25. And in Matthew 25, it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. This is verses 35 through 40. You gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. Kind of like the naked feet up here, and you put socks on them. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, basically, Jesus, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king, Jesus, will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did this to one of the least of my brothers or sisters, you did it to me. And that was really what that song was about, and that's what God has really shown me is when we love sacrificially, what we're really getting to do is have an opportunity just to love Christ back in response to how he has loved us sacrificially. What a cool opportunity. What a cool opportunity we have to step out of our comfort zones, to get beyond the things that I just don't do that, and then in return, love Christ back by loving others. I have one more story I want us to hear, and this one is one that Jesus told. So we're going to go to Luke 10, 30 and 34, and this is a really familiar story. How many of you have heard of the Good Samaritan? Okay. So verse 30 says, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest... The religious rulers, the Tim Walker, the Joe Hishma, is walking by. And when he saw the man, he saw him. Open eyes, he saw him. He passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, and these were kind of the religious leaders who helped out the priests, who were also part. So maybe this is, yeah, some of our surge leaders or volunteers who help lead some of our people who may not be on staff at the church, but they are helping serve throughout the week. When he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan, and if you know anything about Jewish history, is, remember I taught world history, sixth grade, channel your sixth grade. Do you remember 
hearing about the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Do you remember these people and how they had these huge kingdoms? So when the Assyrians would come in, they would conquer a region, and then they were real nasty. They would take the people from that region and move them to other regions and then mix cultures with other regions. And so the Jewish people, the Israelites or Hebrews, who were in the 10 northern tribes, the Assyrians came in and really kind of blended their religion with other people groups. So those of the two southern tribes, Judah, the kingdom of Judah, they were kind of like, "Mm -mm, you're not pure blood. You have mixed your culture with others. And so they had nothing to do with the Samaritans. And when they would walk, they would go the long route around so they wouldn't pass through the city of Samaria. They would have nothing to do with the Samaritan. So this man is a Samaritan. The man who has been left to die is a Jewish man. The Jewish people were awful to that Samaritan. He had all the right in the world to walk by because he's like, they treat me bad. But let's see what the Samaritan does. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds. And it will go on to say how he took care of him and he used his own money. He loved sacrificially. So here's my question. Even if you're doing good things, even if you are... My friends and I were talking about Jesus at the lunch table. It was really cool. Are you passing by someone who is in need? I'm sure the Levite and I'm sure the priest had plenty of good reasons why they needed to get going to wherever they needed to be because they had good things to do for God. But what they did was miss out the opportunity right there that God already had for them. Are you with me? So here's the cool part. Have you ever had someone do something that cost them? And I'm talking human, like we know God has. But have you ever had somebody do something costly for you? just love you and you did probably not didn't deserve it or they just showed you extra kindness in a moment where you're like whoa why are you doing this to me yes has anybody ever had that happen where they had to sacrifice and how they loved you they loved you like christ did that make you annoyed with that person were you suddenly angry with them My case is every time I have had somebody do that, it makes me want to turn around and do that again for somebody else. Yes? Have you guys ever been in a drive-thru where somebody like Starbucks or something where they pay it forward, and so the person in front of you pays for your drink, and then you pay for the next drink or whatever? So those things, it makes you kind of be like, okay, I want to help out. Are you with me? Here's the last point. When we love like Christ... When we really get a picture of Christ's love and we have open eyes and we act out and it's sacrificial, the cool thing is, it's contagious. Christ's love's contagious. It's infectious. Because when you see somebody else loving like that, when I saw Ceci love on that little boy, it got up in my business And it made me want to love better. And I'm telling you, the rest of that week, I don't care how dirty the little kids' faces were. 
I was going to love them like it was one of my own nieces and nephews. Are you with me on that? Here's the other cool part. It's contagious also in the fact that when you love someone like that, they are like, what is that? Why are you loving me this way? Why are you different than other people? And it makes them want something that you have that they're missing out on. And that's really Christ. If we go back to a verse that Tim and I have brought up multiple times, which is in John 13, verses 34 and 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And when we love like Christ, when we see things, we act on those things, and that our actions are sacrificial and Christ-like, they're going to know that there's something different about you because of Christ. Are you with me on that? And they're going to want that. The other part is it's contagious in our lives. The more we love like Christ, and the more we understand Christ and experience what it feels like to love like him, you're going to have a peace and a joy that is not explainable. It is going to come from him. And the more you love people like that, I'm telling you, it's going to get addictive. You're going to want to keep loving people. I don't ever say I want to clean up puke, but man, I do appreciate God giving me opportunities to love in a way that deepens my love for others and honestly just grows me closer to them and to him in those moments. So, I want you to pause, and at the bottom of your sheet, what are some of those needs that you may see? Maybe right now it's just a stressful time at home. Maybe you need to figure out some ways to love sacrificially, helping mom out, helping dad out, helping grandparents out. Maybe it's somebody in your classroom. Maybe it's even at Surge. Are your actions pointing people to Christ? Is Christ evident in the way that you are loving others? Some of us need to just figure out what it means to love others. I taught middle school for a really long time. And what was crazy was how many times I would have really strong Christian families that were in my school district, and there were students in my class who I know knew Jesus Christ. And I knew they were believers. And those students and I would have different conversation than some of my other students. And when I would see my kids who I knew knew Jesus Christ, but I saw behavior that did not point to Jesus Christ, we got to have a different conversation when I would pull them aside and be like, hey, saw something disappointing. Just thought you would want to know. I didn't see Christ in your actions earlier. Oh. Sorry, Miss Weatherford. It's cool. It's not, I'm not, I mean, it made me a little sad. But, man, you missed out on an opportunity to show your classmates who Christ was. Now, I know the rest of you guys don't ever fail with that, except we all do, right? 
We all have opportunities to show Christ to others by how we love. Yes, because they will know that we are followers of Christ by how we love others. So what needs do I see around me? What are those little ways that you could give sacrificially? Now, you want to hear a really disgusting one? How many of you have older siblings? How many of you have to share a bedroom? Okay. So if you have to share a bedroom with a sibling, what if you, like, tidied up their side? What if you spent a week where you made their bed? What if you don't share a room? What if you went in and made the beds of all your siblings? What if you cleaned up after them? What? Hey, sacrifices, come on. Opportunities to love like Christ. What if for one week you said, I want to do everybody else's chores? You guys are wimps. Just saying, there's opportunities to love sacrificially. So, go ahead and write down here, I'm going to do everybody's chores for the week. Um, And then, what are some practical next steps? I just need to be more aware. I need to, and maybe this is something you and your friends have a conversation about. Hey, let's be more aware at school. Is there somebody we can show kindness to is somebody we could bring into. And I'm telling you guys, if you're just inviting them to sit at your table, but nobody talks to them, that's taking action, but not sacrificially. Are you with me on that? Like find ways to, there are opportunities constantly. You will have opportunities even in small group tonight and after surge. Yes. Take the opportunity. All right, let's pray. Dear God, I pray right now for each and every single one of us in this room that you would give us opportunities even tonight to open our eyes and to step out in action, but to love like you do, out of our comfort zone, sacrificially giving of ourselves. God, I pray this weekend, even as we remember what you do and we celebrate your conquering of sin and death, through your death and resurrection, God, I pray that we would live in a response of obedience and gratitude for the sacrificial love you've shown us. God, help us each day to look more like you and help us to love like you.